Thank you. Uh, the children can be dismissed for children's church. Uh, can I can my ushers come up? Yeah, everybody gets a tea bag. It's a tea party. <laughs> this is not in Boston. No, it's not in Boston. Here we go. Here, just take the box. Bring it back when you're done. All right, everybody, please take a tea bag. Don't pull the bag apart, all right? Yeah, everybody gets a tea bag. And you're not going to know what it's for until the end of the service, but maybe you'll figure it out, maybe you won't. So, what else do I want? I got lots of props today. We'll see how it works. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22, beginning at verse 34. Matthew 22, beginning at verse 34. Matthew 22, beginning at verse 34. You know, we've been talking about church membership and uh, what is the church and what is the mission of the church and things like that. So I thought I would combine a couple of different things today. Matthew 22, verses 34 to 39. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, and one of them, an expert in the law, testing him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, whenever we're looking at this particular verse, the Ten Commandments that we basically started out with, with Moses on the mount, Pharisees had classified them to over 600. <laughs> and some say that the Pharisees had as many as 1,200 laws. You know, this was a very large ordeal for the Pharisees. They had taken what was given in a basic form. And, and we talked about this in Sunday school a little bit. The Pharisees are basically a sect that is called Pharisees or set apart. And they were a group that before the time of Jesus kind of saved Judaism because it was, it was fading away and people weren't paying attention to the laws or anything. And the sect of Pharisees came in and they brought attention back to the law. But as some people do with any good thing, they take it to an extreme that was never meant to be. And so by the time that Jesus arrived, uh, you know, in the time of Jesus in his life, the Pharisees had gotten to a point that they were extremely legalistic. They had kept all of the laws, so they had 600 laws that they were keeping, and they were striving to keep all these ceremonial cleansings and all these ceremonial rituals, and they had classified their laws into, you know, of most importance, average importance, little importance, and they had classified them all. So when they asked Jesus this question, it was kind of a legitimate question as to which of all of our 600 plus laws is most important, and which one would you say is the most important of all? Well, Jesus clearly and precisely quoted to them the scriptures, and he says, to identify the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and the second, love your neighbor as yourself. So it seems like it's a very um, easy thing to understand for us to look at that, and it was quite a, I'm sure it was quite a shock to the Pharisees to see this take place. And Jesus is saying that if we truly love God, and that we truly love our neighbor, 
that we will naturally keep the commandments. And so rather than worrying about what we should do or what we shouldn't do, that we were to concentrate on what we can do and how that we can show our love for God and for others. Since an individual can't have a relationship with just himself, the relationships are at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. So whenever we are looking at, well, what is the greatest commandments, we're looking at relationships. Relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with others. We know that Jesus Christ has come to save us from our sins, to break down the barrier between us and God. Salvation is the beginning. We call it salvation, saved from our sins. That Jesus Christ has paid the price so that there would be nothing that stands between God and you. Everyone has sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So God has paid the price for our salvation, saving us from our sins. And so we have this relationship that is at the heart of our experience with Christ. So salvation begins as a relationship with God. And it should be expressed then in our relationship with others. It follows through that we have a relationship with God. Well, how does that relationship express itself? Well, it expresses itself in our relationship with others. Whenever Jesus was talking to Peter, whom do men say that I am? Well, Peter says, thou art the Christ. And Jesus says to Peter, upon this truth I will build my church. The truth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So it is that church then that becomes the functioning body of Christ. We call it many things, the bride of Christ, when Jesus returns for his bride. All those who are part of the church, not a denomination, but all of those who accept and have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they become the church, the bride of Christ. It is called the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. It is an organization. Organizations. We sometimes don't like organizations. But every church, the early church, had an organization. There are many reasons why we know this. In the last you know, 30 years or so, there was a big movement away from the structured church or the organizational church because there was no organizational church, and that's not true. The early church had elections, the early church had uh, appointments, the early church had elders, they had structure. There has to be structure. We have a structure. We have a board, we have Sunday school teachers, we have people who practice, the worship team, you know, we have, there's a structure to it. But beyond the structure, which is an organization, there is the church, which is an organism, An organism is something that is living. The Bible says that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That the spirit of God is a living spirit that abides within the church. So the church then is an organization. The church then is an organism. The core values of the church are expressed in the children's chorus. Anybody know what children's chorus expresses the core value of the church? Yeah, Jesus loves me. Yeah. This Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You see, the foundational principle of the church is the Scripture. The Scripture becomes the organizational structure 
that the organism lives in. (laughs) This church is the body of Christ. You and I, we all make up the body of Christ. All those who have accepted Christ as their Savior make up the body of Christ. We're not so narrow-minded as to think that our own little church is the only one that's going to make it to heaven, and I refrain from using the word little, Uh, that our own church or our own denomination, the body of Christ is made up of those who believe in Jesus and have accepted him as their personal Savior. The church, then, is an assembly of professing believers. Well, when's he going to start preaching? This is it. Okay, (laughs) this is the sermon for today. (laughs) We talk about church membership and being part of something. There is an organizational structure. There is a reason behind our preaching and behind receiving offerings and all this. There's a reason behind all this, which is our own personal growth and development. So the church then is an assembly of professing believers. If we profess a faith in Jesus Christ... Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There is structure to the organism. The living organism of Christ is based upon a structure. And that structure is not about correcting everybody else. That's a cult. Cults are are groups that try to correct Christianity. Christianity is the foundational principle based upon Jesus Christ and our relationship with Him, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His virgin birth, his sinless life, his uh, vicarious death, he died in our place. His resurrection from the dead, his ascension to heaven, his seated at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding for us, and that he will come again. These are the principles of the structure of the organization. We profess our salvation, our confession of our sins, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. We proclaim the authority of the Word of God. This is the supreme authority of our life, the guideline to our life. Sometimes people wonder, well, why are there so many different denominations? Well, there are different denominations because we as people come to the Bible and try to interpret it. But there is only one scripture. Now, I'm not going to say we're the only ones who interpret it correctly. You're supposed to smile at that. (laughs) Yeah, boom. I want you to know that I'm the only one who has the insight. No, it's, you know, it's ridiculous. We all have different approaches to it, and we've, we've uh, looked at it, and, and we have fundamental truths and fundamental uh, beliefs that pull from the Scriptures to give, us what, to give us a foundational understanding of our life and how that the Word of God is brought into our life, that is assimilated into our life. You don't get to heaven by osmosis. You know what osmosis is? Rub the elbow of the person beside you. You're not getting to heaven because you rub shoulders with them. <laughs> or rubbed elbows with them. My parents are Christian, therefore I'm Christian. You know, you, you know God, God doesn't have grandchildren. And God only has children. And you don't get to heaven because somebody else's relationship with God rubbed off on you. Okay, that didn't happen. Jose, you didn't have any shoulders, shoulders to rub with. You going to make it? So proclaim the authority of the word of God, believing the word to be the whole counsel of God. We live under its authority. That's why we teach it, preach it, expound upon it, sing about it, you know, sing the word of God. Jesus will come again. He's going to come back. Should we die? You know, the tragedy of of, of these two 
women who were killed in the car accident. We don't understand why things happen the way they do. I mean, there's no way we can put this together and put some connected dots. Maybe in eternity, but not today. So we trust God that, we are, that in this life we are God's, and in the life to come we are God's. And we're always safe in His arms. Whether we live or whether we die, we belong to God. So there are things that happen in our life that we don't understand, but the Scripture gives us principles to hold us together. They are alive. The living principles of the Scripture come in to shape our thoughts and shape our expectations and give us hope whenever there seemingly is no hope. It's common today. It's common in our society that most people want to know God, but they don't want to know God through a church. They want to know God, but they don't want to come to a established place, finding God on their own. You know, and, and again, why, why not? I mean, look at some of the scandals that have happened and some of, the, um, some of these scandals that involve very high-profile Christian leaders. Some of the sexual uh, escapades of leaders and the, and the reports of pastors and priests molesting children and so on. You know, and, and this goes on, and, it, and it's wrong, and there's, but there's no way that we can hide it, and you don't want to hide it. It's, it's the truth. People fall from grace. You know, in our society, our media, they report on what's wrong with our world and what's wrong with the church and what's wrong with people. But others see the church as ingrown. That some people see the church as it's people who grew up in it and they belong to it and, you know, it's kind of a self-contained organization. But you see, bad thing happens that people are people. And people are going to fall. And people are going to hurt you. And whenever we place our expectations in people... They will fail us. So it's not an excuse that happens. So we are to recognize that, that no one is perfect, and every one of us can, but for the grace of God, there go I. You know, but for God's grace, we haven't been there. That's why our faith is in Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We follow Jesus, and there are people who profess Christ. They do well, and we want to listen to what they have to say. If it is truthful... But the truth is, we know that we belong to an organization, we belong to an organism, we belong to the body of Christ, and the body has a responsibility to itself and to Jesus Christ. We have a responsibility, a responsibility to ourselves. You have a responsibility to yourself to do your best, you know, in school and things in work and wherever. We have a responsibility to ourselves to do our best. We can't blame, we can't retaliate against the teacher because, you know, they're not good, but it's still our grade. We can't retaliate against work. Well, it's still our work. It's still our responsibility to do our best before God. It's a responsibility to grow, to grow in our knowledge and maturity in nature. We have a responsibility to grow and to develop, that God gave us a mind and he gave us a spirit, and we don't check our brain at the door to have faith. Our, our knowledge of God is to grow, and our, our spiritual development is to grow. I remember the good things of how that God has worked in our life to challenge and to change us and to bring about a, a plan for us. There is a responsibility to serve one another. Sometimes we don't like to serve 
other people. Because in our society, or I guess it is, that if we serve somebody, that means we're beneath them. But you know, when Jesus uh, washed the disciples' feet, you know, they were there and they said, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of my kingdom. Meaning that he that is greatest among you is the servant of all. And that we should never think it beneath us to serve. In fact, it's an elevated position to be the servant of Jesus Christ. And that we are here to serve one another. And so, so the responsibility to serve, and the purpose of the church is to serve God. The purpose of the church is to serve Him and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. So the church is a place. The church is a place, this building that we are in is a place. The church is a place, but the church is an organism. A church is alive and it is active. There is a living influence in our lives. There is a living influence of this word coming into our lives that is not based upon the check marks of, I did this, I did this, I didn't do that, I didn't, no. It is a living organism inside of us. It is the, the, the life of God alive in our hearts and our spirit that gives us strength for the day and, and a purpose for our life. The church body, you and I, striving to grow and to achieve under the influence of the word. The word becomes our roadmap, our guide. The spirit is what brings life to it. The church is a term describing a real community of believers who meet in the presence of Christ. I, I like whenever we sing, you know. I, I like to hear the singing and the music and because it's just good. <laughs> you know? It's it's just it's it gets our focus, it gets our attention. It it expresses sometimes what we have a hard time saying or feeling. So songs and worship have a way of coming together and expressing that into kind of putting out what's in our hearts. The church is not described by what Christians can do. The church is described by who they are. See, that's why we each have such an important part, because it isn't based upon what you can do. It's based upon who you are. And each of us, we are important. The value of who you are isn't in what you can do. You're, the value is in, in what you are inside. And that's the value that God looks at and that God has created you for from the very beginning of time, from before the foundation of the world. God knew you and he planned you and formed you and gave you a purpose. He gave things, he put things inside of you that no one else has. No one else has the ability and the, and the character that you have and the potential that you have, and to be able to do things the way that you do. No one has that ability. And so God has put that individual, that specific person together in you and has brought you to a place in the body that only you can function, only you can fulfill. So problems happen. The greatest problem happened in the church when Christians began to think of going to church rather than being the church, that's whenever the, 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 the real change transition happened. When people started thinking of church as an organization or, or as a building, rather than believers and individuals, 
being the church. Then the outside began saying the church was a place rather than a way of life. Sometimes we say, we want to invite people to church. And that's right, we want to invite people to church, but the reality is we want to invite them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We come with a common bond that each person in the church has the same profound experience. That's what is uniting of a, of a church. The same profound experience. And what is that profound experience? Meeting Jesus Christ as our Savior. Any community of believers is diverse. Okay, let me think if I can get this straight here. Look to your right. Look to your left. Two-thirds of the people are not that beautiful, so boy, aren't you lucky you're not them. <laughs> Did you get that one? Just something like that. I don't remember what it was. But you see, the church recognizes the values and the attitudes of others. The values, the distinctiveness of each other. You know, it isn't that we all dress the same, it isn't that we all act the same, it isn't that we all do the same thing, and that we all think the same thoughts, we all go to the same place. We're diverse, we're different, and and it's supposed to be that way. But we know that the the life-changing experience that comes from knowing Jesus Christ, we have this life-changing experience that knowing you, Lord, you know, the song we sing, knowing you, Lord, knowing you, there is no greater thing than knowing the Lord. Serving one another, respecting one another. Love one another as Christ has loved you. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and mind. Greatest commandment. What's the second? Love others as yourself. There is a freedom in the community. There is a oneness in the community. It's held together by a shared experience. A shared belief that we love God and love one another. And this community... This community of believers helps to nurture our faith. It helps to nurture our understanding of who we are, our understanding of a divine purpose, an understanding of what it means to be you. Not to give up your individuality, but to find it. Not to, and to find it as we lose ourselves in Christ and find ourselves as part of the body of Christ. Faith, the formation happens in a a community where young believers see older believers or maturing believers following Jesus Christ. It is a place where we are responsible to serve God and to serve each other, where we find a way of fitting in and, and that we belong. We inspire each other. We support, we encourage, we develop values and develop attitudes that live in a church community. And the church is a community of mentoring. The church is a community of mentoring one another. That we have a responsibility to God and to each other. It's assimilating the values that, we, that are present. We see what others have become. What is the purpose? That we continue to grow and nurture and develop and that God has a change bringing in our lives. So the church community itself becomes a mentoring agent. It challenges us for new believers. It challenges us that we can grow. And we have Sunday school and we have church and we have you know, the adult study and they have the ladies study on, on Saturday and, 
missionettes and the rangers, and those are part of the organization in which the organism lives. So the church. You ready for the tea bags? Now, the story is, I have a cup. Yeah, you don't have cups. So I wasn't getting everybody a cup. I'm not washing all the cups. Right. Now, do you understand? Church is an organization. Church is an organism. Church is alive and active. You. We are influences upon one another. Now, there's a story about this young girl who came to her grandmother. And she said to her grandmother that her life was not that good. And she was complaining about all of her problems. And so... What the grandmother did was, took her to the kitchen. And while she was in the kitchen, she put um, three pots on the stove, and and she put the pots on the stove and began to boil water. And whenever she boiled the water, she put an egg in one pot, a carrot in another pot and a tea bag in another pot. And without saying a word, she left them in there for about 15 minutes and let them boil. And what happens whenever you put an egg in boiling water? It hardens. You see, the church is about nurturing. The church is about helping us understand who we are as a person. And sometimes the church is like an egg, individuals are like an egg that gets in boiling water. They look the same on the outside, but on the inside they are hard, hard boiled. They have lost their fluidness. Sometimes in, whenever we get in difficulties, God wants us to remain the same, or not to become hard on the inside. Look the same on the outside. Well, then they had um, carrots. Well, carrots that are not in boiling water, carrots are pretty crunchy and so on. But what happens to carrots that are in water? (laughs) They kind of lose their, oops, flexibility. And they kind of lose what they are. But you know what happens to tea bag and water? It changes the water. You see, in our life is about how that Christ, we're, like, we're supposed to be like the tea bag. When we find ourselves in hot water, we don't change. We change our surroundings. And we change the things around us. Because what we are becomes part of what's around us. We said that being part of the church is assimilating. That we kind of, you know, we don't get to heaven by rubbing shoulders with one another in osmosis. You can't do that. But the character of the church is one that whenever you put yourself together and you put yourself in hot water, you change the water. Right? And so we have choices to make in our lives. We have choices. As the body of Christ, I don't want to drop this because this is not (laughs) hard-boiled. 
<laughs> All right, I'm not dropping this one. This is not hard-boiled. So I'm going to put it down. <laughs> but we, we want to be, you know, when, the, when you put an egg in a hot water, on the inside it changes. And in our life, the character and the aliveness of God is part of us. We don't want to change on the inside. We want to remain the same. And don't become hardened in the heart because of the hardness of the situation you find yourself in. Carrots? Come on, flimsy. We have a choice. And of course, we want to be like the teabag, so on. But you know, I got something else here. I want every one of you to take your teabag out. Everybody, have your teabag. Because you're not going to sit in the pew, you're going to stand up for this one. Everyone, take your tea bag out. And do you know what I want you to do? I want you to come up here and put it in. And stay up here. Okay, so come on up. Don't knock this on the floor, please. But I want us very deliberately to re- and recognize we are the body of Christ. Okay, we're the body of Christ, and we get to put our tea bags in. Yeah, put your bag down in there. Don't worry, you're not drinking it. <laughs> need some sugar? You need some sweet tea, you know? Somebody, who's really sweet? Come put your finger in here. <laughs> All the ladies, you know, Brian and I up here? Okay, is everybody's tea bag in? What do you think is going to happen? The water is going to change. Do you think that removing one tea bag makes a difference or two tea bags? Yes. It will change the strength of the tea. And you know what? As we if we would drink the tea, we wouldn't be able to tell whose tea bag was what. Could we? But you see the influence we have the assimilation of our faith, the way that we influence one another. And it's so subtle. And it's, and it's like, how do we change everybody around us? How do we change? How do we make a difference in everybody's life? Just by being here. Putting in our tea bag. Just being here and singing and Worshipping and tithing and being part of the body. And it changes us as we change others. It's an organization, but it's an organism. It's alive. And this is what God does in us. This is what God does through us. And each of us have this purpose. Each of us have a responsibility to ourselves to be here and to put our tea bags in. We each have a response. You got to. Do you have your tea bag? You have your tea bag. You don't have a tea bag, do you? Get up here. Lucas gets to put a tea bag in too. Because no matter what the littlest, from the littlest to the mother, the father's already done here. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. So which one is not important? Which bag is not important? They all are. Each of us have a purpose 
for God and a purpose in the body of Christ. And every time, if any time, we would doubt that. Remember this. And I'm going to let this sit here till next week. <laughs> you know, and, and we'll see the effect. You'll see the effect. If you want to drink it, you can. No, I'm sorry. But you'll see the effect of all these tea bags in this water. How strong can it become? And the longer it stays in there, the longer it takes on, the water takes on the characteristics of all of the bags. And as we are together, we take on the characteristics of one another. But most of all, we take on the characteristic of Jesus Christ. To love the Lord thy God with all your heart and soul and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments. And to the Pharisees, they had 600 of them. And Jesus said, these two are greatest. Love God, love others as yourself. We'll make a difference. Growing and changing. What is the great thing we're able to do here? But be together and serve. Already in just a few moments, we're making a difference. In just a few moments, we're making a difference. You say, well, what, you know, come to church and we're there an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> an hour and 20, an hour and 30 minutes. And we say, well, what good did that do? Look what the difference we've made in just a few moments. That's cold water. Turn the heat up. <laughs> and I give you all a bag, <laughs> an old bag take home. <laughs> I'll give you all a tea bag to take home so you can remind yourself when you get in hot water, you change the circumstances. I'm not not dropping it. You can't make me break it over your head. But but you see, so you all get a bag to take home, put it in hot water, and know you change your circumstances around you. And that's how we do it with church, do it with one another.